Well, welcome everybody. Glad you're all here. I'm State Senator Paul Lavoda, and we're, we call this uh, town hall meetings that we do called Dialogue with Lavoda, and uh, it is a idea to continually try to reach out to the public to understand what you're thinking and how I can take it down to Jefferson City. Um, former Congressman Jerry Litton used to do Dialogue with Litton. What he did was feed people and then have them come to a town hall meeting where he interviewed someone um, important in, in government. So I'm taking this idea and I'm glad you're here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice that the mayor of Shore Creek is here with us, Mayor Matt Mallison. So thank you for yes. being here. This, this is the Mallison Little Theater and his family helped make this such a beautiful room and thank you. Um, for that. Thank you, Mrs. Mallison, for that. And also the principal of Van Horn High School, Patrick Layden, is back there. And um, soon to be even more important in the district, a promotion, but he's done an amazing job with this facility. And uh, thank you for letting us be here and have this opportunity. Again, the attempt is to uh, reach out, uh, get your thoughts, and then maybe uh, you know, if I feed you, you can come and have some questions. So hopefully we'll have a good dinner. Um, we are joined with my very good friend, Senator Kiki Curls of the 9th District. Mm -hmm. And uh, Senator Shalom Kiki Curls is a Democrat, mm -hmm. represents part of Jackson County, the 9th District. She started serving, serving in the Senate in a special election on February, in February 2011 and served in the Missouri House since 2007. In addition to her legislative duties, Senator Curls works in real estate development and currently serves as a 14th Ward Democrat Committee woman in Kansas City and a member of St. Monica's Catholic Church. Uh, she is uh, a proud mother of uh, two recent college graduates. I am. Which gives me hope that I can get my kids out of, <laughs> out of there as well. And uh, you attended the University of Missouri. You serve on the, Senator Curls serves on the Agriculture mm -hmm. Committee, Appropriations Committee, Gubernatorial Appointments Committee, Jobs, Economic Development, and Local Government Committee, Transportation Committee, Small Business Insurance and Industry Committee. And another notable thing is I have my close family members sincerely always call you their favorite senator. Because <laughs> you're my favorite senator <laughs> as well. <laughs> and they're awesome folks. joking, it's true. Uh -huh. So thank you for being thank here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it is a pleasure for me to be here this evening, and I will say it is certainly a pleasure for me to be here um, on behalf of Senator Lavota. We have shared a great uh, working relationship in Jefferson City. We have worked very closely on a number of issues, stood side by side, up late at night in our office, strategizing, trying to figure some of these things out, the best way to proceed on some things, and the best way to help stop some of the other bad things, you know, in other areas. And and I will tell you that he works extremely hard in Jefferson City, and he's been a great leader there. Um, as many of you know, he was the minority leader in the House, and he was very fervent, very passionate. Um, he was a great leader for our caucus, and really, I am very well, honored to you. be here. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. Today, on behalf nice. of this event. Uh, you, you've done an amazing job uh, because we've had this long-time political problem, I guess, in Jackson County where mm -hmm. Kansas City and Eastern Jackson County never worked together. But you right. have done an amazing job. Senator Wilson did too. But you did an amazing job working with Senator Curls and then really helping me as I came down to the Senate that mm -hmm. we're all working together as uh, a delegation for mm -hmm. the greater good of the entire area. For, Very true. Uh, 
education and everything else that we both care about. Right. I can say this about the folks from the Kansas City area. We are a much more um, cohesive unit say, than the St. Louis area. You know, you get St. Louis and St. Louis County. And I will tell you that they are very fractured um, in their partnerships within their regional caucus. And I will tell you that the folks from the Kansas City area, Kansas City, um, of course, Independence, you know, Raytown, Lee Summit, even to some degree, right. um, have a very good working relationship. And, and that started, you know, with us in the House. I mean, Paul was uh, very good at making sure that our caucus um, joined together on some of those issues that are very important for our area. And, you know, we've taken that over to the Senate as well. So um, it really has been a pleasure, um, of course, for me to serve with the folks that we serve with on our side of the state as well. So this is your fourth session. It is my fourth session. In the Senate. Right. Um, Came out of an election year. Right. uh, Lame duck governor with two more years left. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, issues with the budget because you're, you're a ranking member of the appropriations committee right what do you anticipate because this is the question i get all the time love to hear it. what do you anticipate for the session what do you think will happen you know what i was hoping of course that we would be able to get something significantly significant um done with medicaid expansion you know i think at the end of last legislative session we were hearing on oh, next year we may be able to get some things done we heard that over the summer you know, as of a month or two ago, we're hearing that we may, you know, there may be even less that we're able to get done. But I'm still hopeful. There, er- there are still some caucus members on the other side of the aisle that would like to see something done with it as well because it just makes sense for our state. It really does, not just by way of health care but also economic development that, of course, that it brings and the jobs that it brings to the state as well. So I am still hopeful. I know that, you know, some folks are not – quite as hopeful, but, you know, in conversations that I've had with a few of the other senators, I'm hoping that there, you know, it's probably just going to be a process, Mm -hmm. as many things are in Jefferson City, and sometimes it's just taking a bite at the elephant, knowing that you won't get everything you want, but hoping that you get, you know, something that you really, really want um, out of that process. As you know, this is is the third year I'm introducing Medicaid expansion. Right. He's done a great job with it, Senate Bill 96. No, Mm -hmm. Senate Bill 90. And so I've been I've been asked the question why are you why do you keep introducing this it keeps getting rejected because it's so important because it's important it makes sense and to remind you guys of the issue um, part of the um, Affordable Care Act was this idea that uh, Medicaid expand we would expand Medicaid to allow more folks to have health care in our state when we as a state government decide that we want to expand Medicaid up to 138% of poverty, which is about, what, $24,000 a year or something, something Mm -hmm. to about $24,000 a year, those folks will have an opportunity to get health care that they normally wouldn't have. This is important because the uh, uncompensated care for some of these hospitals just go through the roof. And you and I, who are lucky enough to have health insurance, end up paying for it anyway. So the idea of between the uh, Affordable Care Act was that we get these people eligibility and they would have access to health care. Now, what is so crucial about Medicaid expansion as well is it, it gets those people up to around $24,000. But with the Affordable Care Act, people who are making around $90,000 get a subsidy if they, don't, you know, if they don't have it at their workplace. So to me, it doesn't seem quite right that our state would reject um, – Poor, hardworking people getting access and then have a subsidy right. for other things simply because 
the legislature doesn't like anything near Obamacare. That's the law of the land. We can fight over the good stuff. We talk about the bad stuff of it. But the truth of the matter is we need to expand it. And you've, mm-hmm. you've talked a lot about that in the, in the Senate um, Appropriations Committee. Right. Um, we had a hearing even. Do you remember mm-hmm. that hearing? We did. <laughs> very, it, yes, it was a very passionate hearing, I will tell you, on both sides. <laughs> we had a hearing, um, and I had around 30 people come oh, yeah. support it. And totally. there was one guy who was against it, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, by party lines, it was voted down. Mm-hmm. So I think it just makes so much sense that we got to pursue it. Right. And I don't know if you do you get the questions, why do you keep going? These guys don't want it. I mean, but we have to keep pushing along with something good for the state. No we state. do. And I, and I will tell you that this issue of Medicaid expansion has been extremely interesting because typically many of the legislators that happen to follow the more conservative agenda or the corporate agenda um, have really deviated from that. I mean, many of the hospitals, you know, the local chambers, the Missouri Chamber, Kansas City Chamber that in St. Louis, all of the chambers support Medicaid expansion and many of the large corporations. But we just, for, for some strange reason, <laughs> it hasn't quite um, still sold, you know, some of the other legislators on the importance of it. And I think, um, you know, and then other folks ask, well, why don't they want it? It just makes sense. If they're going to cover, you know, 90% of the cost, then, you know, why do we care? And I think it's 100% of the cost the first three or four years. And yes. And, um, but we're in the third year of that, too. Yeah, we are. Yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, I think the response is, well, you know, what if the federal government comes back later and says they don't want to fund it? And I said, well, at that time, they don't want to fund it. If I didn't have insurance, clearly, if you can give me the insurance for three years or four years and I'm able to benefit from that, then I'd like to have it for four years. Um, the reality is we're going to be paying for this right. anyway. That's right. We're going to be paying right. for all of those folks in those other states to have medical care, and our folks don't have it. So, and all um, of us have to pay our federal taxes. Absolutely. So we might as well bring that back home to Missouri, but to the tune of two billion dollars. So, right. that's that's a big issue we'll be right. pushing. It is. In, and it is. I, I'm hoping we're going to have a vote on that at some sort. I hope so. I think I think we will this year. I think we will. I, I think do. I'm, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. So, besides that, what, what do you see as the things that we'll be wrestling with? I think uh, as far as the budget is concerned, I think it's going to be an interesting year. You know, we passed, um, is it Prop 10? Amendment 10. Amendment 10, right, which um, typically over the last several years we have been challenged with um, there being multiple things in the budget, and um, the governor has um, withheld or vetoed many of those line items. Um, Obviously, at this point in the legislature, we have um, a veto-proof majority. And it is interesting because with the passing of Amendment 10, the governor will no longer really be able to withhold many of those items. I mean, the legislature can then release them. And um, so I'm not really sure how that is going to work out and what exactly that means. We haven't really started the appropriations of the budget process yet this year. It starts next week. We start public hearings. Um, so I think it'll be interesting for many of us to see how that plays out this year and what that actually means for our state we're, budget. We're down. We're on a second week of mm-hmm. the session, and so this week we got our committee assignments. Um, and next week the governor will do his state of the state, and basically he'll have his message, and that's when he releases his budget proposals. Mm-hmm. And from there, um, the House budget will do their work, and the Senate appropriation. You guys begin your work even before you get the right the the we House. Do. 
house through it. We do. Um, long days on that committee. Very long. Long days and long nights. I mm -hmm. will tell you it's not uncommon for us. Um, you know, we typically get there at 8 or 8.30 in the morning. We go into session at 10, and, um, you know, when we adjourn for our break for lunch, um, we go back to the budget room and, you know, work it out until we go back to session. And then upon adjournment that evening or that afternoon, we go back to budget. You know, we go back to the committee hearing. And, and um, you know, it's not uncommon for us to be there 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, sometimes 2 or 3 when it gets to the end of the process. And uh, it's very demanding. But, um, you know, it, it's a process. And really, that's, that's where the state budget happens. Mm -hmm. And so um, it is. You know, I... $24 billion budget, mm -hmm. and I think what a lot of people forget, I think some, a lot of people forget this too, the only thing we're really supposed to do is a budget. Right. You know? And the only thing we the, have to do. And, <laughs> and if you know that budget okay. and the leadership you've shown um, shows how state government is run, and um, I appreciate your, your guidance on all that. Mm -hmm. And Thank hopefully you. this year will be, from the way revenues are coming in, better than last year. Oh, I hope. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I do. So, so we'll see where that takes us this year. I think, um, you know, not only uh, the general public, but many of us in the legislature are, are waiting to see how some of these things play out over the next couple of weeks as well. And, and um, so we're ready to get started. As he said, we started last week in, in you know, this legislative session, and, and so we're, we're moving forward. Mm -hmm. So what, uh, let me ask you this, as far as a Kansas City issue. Mm-hmm. What do, you, what do you see as the big thing we, we should be doing for Kansas City? I know Senator Krause introduced um, a measure today for the mm -hmm. World War I Memorial. Mm -hmm. That would be a good thing for our area. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of some other um, city There are a number of things that the city of Kansas City is wanting regarding nuisance properties, uh, things of that nature, um, some um, landlord-tenant legislation that they're promoting. I, Bill right there was just telling me some independents mm -hmm. has some issues with that as well. Right. But, but also a huge thing for the Kansas City area is, gonna, is also going to be the ATA, the transportation tax. And it sunsets um, 16, sunsets next year. So really the renewal um, of that tax is going to be something that's, that, that's extremely important right now to the area transportation authority there. And, and um, so I know that that's going to be one of the things, of course, that's on the priority list for the city as well. I'll ask you well, one other issue, your thoughts on it, because um, you, you serve on, you were on the Education Committee. You're not on the Education right. Committee anymore, right? I'm not anymore. Other responsibilities. Right. We passed a, a, a bill last year mm -hmm. that was dealt with the transfer issue right. for unaccredited districts. Right. Um, very important for our area, um, as Kansas City has struggled, but they've been doing very good in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, it was vetoed by the governor because there was a provision in there that gave some money to um, some private um, uh, institutions that he felt like public money shouldn't go there. I kind of agreed with him, but we're going to go take another look at that. I understand the governor's already expressing to the sponsors of that bill some of his what he wants in there so we don't end up with veto again. Is that mm -hmm. what you've heard to? I have, and in fact, I and I don't want to misquote, yeah. <laughs> but I think I've heard that he's also moving toward, here, here's, here's the thing, when you have a situation that has been um, challenged for a while, that we typically have to start examining some things that we have not typically done before or wanted to do before in search of trying to find a better solution. 
And that provision in the bill happened to be one of those areas. I mean, there were many of us mm-hmm. for years, clearly, that had not been for uh, school vouchers and some of those other um, um, type of programs. But, it, you know, we were at a very, very critical point last year where if you're wanting it, you know, this whole process is very much a negotiated process. And there were those folks that were not wanting to make any movement in education. Right. And the transfer issue and the potential bankruptcy of certain school districts that were unaccredited, um, unless some of those provisions happened to be in the bill. So, you know, the reality is you could be two polar opposites, but at some point in that process, you've got to begin to come toward the middle to try to figure out a solution, at least something that would be... Mm-hmm. Um, something you know to be able to allow them to move forward so um that portion of the bill did in fact take it then to a vote of the folks in that particular district before they would also allow um, right right well you know i i've always kind of been against public money going to private institutions Mm -hmm. and when it left the senate i voted against that because i i didn't want the house to add more of those Mm -hmm. things in there um and we ended up passing it. I overall f- felt like it was a good time for the Senate that came mm-hmm. together and all these things. I talked to Representative Ira Anders. He votes for the bill. He's certainly a proponent of public education. I right. was against it. I'm certainly a proponent of, of public education. Right. And it's one of those things that we, we're so close to a, a good bill that will help with the transfer issue, mm-hmm. make sure that if uh, – any unaccredited district, if it's Hickman Mills, Kansas City, Independence, that we don't, uh, those kids aren't abandoned and they're not right. left behind. And um, it was a complicated thing. I think we're going to make some progress this year. I think so, you too. Know? And I will tell you that that, was, that that education issue is a very emotional issue, and I think many of us were very challenged by it. Um, I was challenged, of course, as a legislature, recognizing the um, – financial strain that the transfer issue put on the school district um, in Kansas City. However, when you talk to parents in the district, parents are just wanting their kids to be educated. Enough where um, some of those parents then that I wouldn't have necessarily thought would be uh, maybe supportive of vouchers and some of those other things, um, were moving in a direction where I will say this, it became a very emotional issue for them as well. And they just wanted their kids to have a chance. And as a parent, I can't argue with the emotion of that. Right. It, it, it was a very difficult issue right. for many of us. Very I think so. we're going to make progress this year. I think so, too. I think so, too. Okay, now I know you have to le- you're leaving here to go to St. Louis. I am. So I'm going to let you get out of here, but I'm going to ask you the dialogue three questions. Okay. Okay. So we get to know her better. Dialogue proudly presents three revealing questions. Uh-oh. Number one, <laughs> who is your political hero? I know the answer. You do know the answer? Uh-huh. Okay. I think I've been asked that question before. Yeah. So, um, the prior senator from the 9th, I will tell you, um, Happened to have been my uncle. He served in the legislature for 30 years. And I worked with him for 15 years before he passed, about seven years ago. But um, the things that he just taught me very much about politics and people, not necessarily just the process in Jefferson City, but just relative to people, just connecting and just remaining a part of the um 
the people and not just being a part of the process was one of the things really that he taught me and one of the things that have proved invaluable for me in the legislature. So I will say that although there are many that I, I very much respect, of course, you know, my relationship with him and the things that he had taught me during that time were things that, yeah. Were you mentioned lessons. him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And he, he was a great leader for our area. Okay, the second question is, if you could do one public policy thing, you can wave the magic wand, what would it be? Medicaid expansion. Unequivocally yep. today. Yep. Mm -hmm. I okay, and then the last one, when you're done in your public service, mm -hmm. what do you want to be remembered as? When they think of Senator Curls when she's done, what do you want people to say about you? Oh, what do I want people to say? Um, that I tried to do what's right. You know, that, that folks felt as if you were a voice for the people and not, again, um, just a player in the process. And um, I, I think, yeah, that's it. I mean, you just, you know, I, I think for me, I don't want to be remembered as a politician. I don't like that word. You know what I mean? I, I, some of us serve in elected office. Um, but really, I just want to be remembered as a person that really wanted to make our world and our life a better place. Well, you do a good job. Okay. And thank you for being here. Of course. Absolutely. I'm Carlson. glad to be here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Senator Curls. And now people are leaving because Senator Curls is leaving. All right. Uh, <clears throat> like I said, we... Had, uh, we've, we're in our second week of session, and every two years we reorganize. Um, we have new committees. Um, I've been appointed to the Financial and Government Organizations and Elections Committee, the Governmental Accountability and Oversight Committee, Gubernatorial Appointments Committee, the Rules Committee, which will deal with a lot of ethics issues, and the Ways and Means Committee, which deals with um, taxes and and tax policy. Uh, like I said, we're in our second week. Next week, we'll hear the governor's message, and that's really when the things get um, going because we'll know the budget, we'll know where the priorities are, and we'll kind of uh, get rolling there with our committee work. Uh, the things I've been working on, I would probably characterize as bigger issues that I think are the core of some of the issues that we have in the state of Missouri, and then some more local things. Uh, I talked about Medicaid expansion. Um, Senate Bill 90 is my third attempt. Um, last year, Senator Ryan Sylvie of Clay County had a Republican version of Medicaid expansion. My bill is far superior than his because it's straight expansion. It gets uh, a, a better um, quality and better um, access for folks. Um, it would give more access to 300,000 people in the state of Missouri. It would pull in about $2 billion of federal money that you and I pay. And also it would help hospitals and um, providers uh, grow, the, grow the business climate. So um, I, like I said, uh, Senator Curls, I asked why do you keep doing this? Because at some point the sense of this will happen and we need to, we need to keep plugging along I owe to the constituents of this area. Um, with that said, I think another core thing that we should work at is ethics reform. And there's a lot of different proposals for ethics reform in the General Assembly. I was on a panel at the Missouri Chamber of Commerce on Monday talking about this, and uh, there are ideas to stop the revolving door where 
a legislator uh, would get elected and then quit and become a lobbyist. Um, there's going to be a time um, that wouldn't, that wouldn't allow. There's proposals to put limits on gifts to um, legislators. Um, I think all these things are, are valid ideas. But we're only going to have real reform when it comes to ethics when it, we get campaign finance limits again. In Missouri, we have no limits whatsoever. So now there's a candidate for governor who has already received $1 million from one individual. And the issue with that is since we've got rid of these limits in 2008, more money has come into campaigns, but there's been less involvement in campaigns. And 2014 was one of the least turnouts ever. And what happens when you get more money into campaign? Not only are, are candidates um, trying to communicate, but they're also doing negative campaigning over and over again. And that only drives down the public participation. I, for one, think more people involved, it's better for the system. And the way we can have more people involved is people feel like they're part of the process. That's why we have to have these limits so the people in Missouri don't think, well, only one guy with millions of dollars gets to run the show. And... Um, I'm going to be talking about that a lot. Um, I've been told that the majority is not so interested in that provision, but I think we can't have real ethics reform unless we deal with that issue. Uh, another thing I, I work on is uh, in the climate of our state when it comes to um, the, the upheaval in Ferguson and some of the, the strife that we have, the tension in our state, there's going to be a lot of conversation this in this General Assembly about how law enforcement interacts with uh, the, the folks and how um, we provide law enforcement the tools to do the right job and how we provide resources to communities to build their communities. One thing I'm working on very hard is uh, in getting us money in the budget so we can have an independence crime lab. We currently have the City of Independence run the crime lab. I want the state to take that over. And the reason is it would be faster, better, more experts at that. It can serve as a regional area, but also victims can get their information quicker, and uh, we can keep people safer when we have a crime lab in independence. We got that passed in the budget last year. The governor vetoed it. The legislature overrid the veto. The governor withheld it. So I'm hoping that we can get that $1.5 million in the budget again so we can keep our area safe. And I know that it's a little related when it comes to law enforcement. I'm hoping that we have that together. Um, some other things I'm working on is I have uh, submitted Senate Bill 88. And what that does is uh, says that once you're, uh, when you are appointed to a border commission, once your term is up, it's over. Currently what is happening is that there are many boards of commissions without people serving on them or they're serving on them after their term because there has not been an appointment. And if you can serve after the time you're supposed to serve, it doesn't really give much incentive for the governor to go nominate new people and then go through the advising consent process of the Senate. So that's what my bill is trying to prompt the governor a little bit more to be on more on top of these um, boards and commissions. I think in Jefferson City, a lot of times we think, we have to have some big tax credit to create jobs or some big scheme, when in truth, those professional boards of commissions serve small businesses every day. And if they're not, then typical small businesses can't survive. Um, 
There is there's a business on 40 Highway that wanted to move down the street. They needed their uh, license moved. There wasn't enough uh, folks on that board, and they had to delay their business. I mean, that's just not how state government should work. So I'm hoping I can get that through. Um, another thing to help small business uh, filed Senate Bill 184 that will uh, cut your um, filing, your corporation and your LLC's filing in half if you do it online through the Secretary of State. That's faster, better uh, for businesses, save a little bit of money, and also make it a little bit more efficient. Um, I um, have introduced a bill. This is one of those bigger issues that um, I don't see the legislature dealing with, but I think it's an important issue. I introduced a bill to increase the minimum wage to $10 in the state of Missouri. Um, it, we have to make sure that people have more of a living wage when we ask them um, to participate in our community, and we need businesses to do step up to their part. Now, a lot of businesses will tell you, well, we can't really afford that. The truth of the matter is when we don't pay folks enough, they end up going on government subsidies anyway. And so we're paying anyway. So if we increase our minimum wage, it allows folks to work full-time, have more money for the things that they need without going to the government for any type of special program. And I think that's a little short-sighted. Some folks think, well, that we're going to cost more money. Um, but in truth, it will end up saving the overall system throughout. Um, I introduced a bill um, I got from the school district that allows students to uh, use their A-plus uh, scholarship for dual credit. So if they're in high school and they're taking a college class and they have reached the recommendation and the criteria for A-plus program, they can they can uh, use that uh, reimbursement. That will help those kids that we want to focus on to make sure they're, they're job ready. Um, and the, really, it's the goal of the independent school district to uh, provide the opportunity for a student who works hard in an associate's degree by the time they graduate high school. So is it, am I right there, Mr. School Board Member? So we're working on that. One of our school board members is here. I want to report in and make sure you know that. Um, other thing. As I said, that uh, elections need to be easier. I have a bill that uh, proposes that we move in, in uh, our two election boards together. Currently in Jackson County, we have a Kansas City election board that serves Kansas City, and we have a Jackson County election board that serves not Kansas City in Jackson County. And so I have constituents that live to the north of 40 Highway who have to go to Independence to register, and to the south of 40 Highway have to go downtown to register. And to me, this inconsistency makes it harder for us to get our folks out to vote, and it makes it um, difficult. And any of these things that make it difficult for people to vote just alienate. I'm hoping that we can have some synergies between the two. There's a uh, that different structure between Kansas City and Jackson County has been going on for years, um, but I think it's, it's time that we work as a county. St. Louis County has a, their own election board. They serve almost twice as much as uh, the Jackson County election board is now, so it is feasible to, to do something like that. Um, I think we talked about the big issues because I'm, I'm really interested in what your questions are. Um, we're going to be dealing with agriculture quite a bit. Um, in response to the Ferguson issue, we'll be looking at 
municipal court reform. Um, I mentioned the transfer bill. I mentioned ethics, and um, there are there's going to be just a lot of discussion about, um, like I said, law enforcement, how we interact with that. So that's what I'm working on, and it's a long session. We kind of have these first month where we kind of get organized, and then in uh, April, May is when we really start going through. I've learned a lot as this is my thir third year in the Senate. Um, the Senate gives you a great opportunity to pass a lot of legislation through the amendment process. You know, you add it on to another bill or you, you deal with that. And that I anticipate I'll be doing that quite a bit. Um, but I, I'm uh, looking forward to the session um, to try to get some things done. I think it will be a little difficult with some of the tension that we have with an increased uh, Republican majority with a Democrat governor. Um, but we need to get through that to get some of these important issues done. And, I, and I'm still hopeful. All right. Um, and it, hopeful that you're here, too. I'm glad you're here. So I, I'm interested in your questions. I have a mic here so I can mic you. So anyone wants to um, come up and ask a question. You know what, Megan? Yeah, Megan will bring the mic to you. This is my daughter, Megan. She's at the University of Missouri, journalism student. She's our Democratic County Committee woman. Huh? Take that microphone. Very good. We would like for you to sing. We'd like for you to sing a little bit. She's an amazing singer. But if anyone has a question, Megan will come and, and mic you. My name's Debbie Allen. I'd like your thoughts on the I-70 debate. Okay. Good. You're going to get me into really try to stay with me on this one. Because I think a lot of times we do not deal with core issues in Jefferson City. And that's why I'm glad I'm on the Ways and Means Committee again. One of the biggest issues that we have that ties everything together is bad tax policy. Now, none of us want to pay high taxes, but we all want good services. And what we've done in Jefferson City is that we have reduced um, our revenue coming in by so much but now we don't even fully fund our foundation formula. College is even harder, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And transportation needs. So that's why last year there was an attempt by the General Assembly to ask the public to raise sales tax. Um, it was a regressive tax. I think the people of Missouri saw that. So now there's an attempt to say maybe we need a tow road across the state of Missouri. And that's what you're referring to, right? Um, I, my view is this. I think we need to be very open to ways to improve our roads. It is very important that we have good infrastructure to build those businesses. We've got to get out of this. We have a tax credit. We're going to build businesses. We need to do what basic stuff, good schools, good roads. And so I'm open to all these ideas. With that said, $25 is too much to drive across the state. It's not comparable to other states in the distance. And the other thing is I am completely against any toll booths in the Kansas City area all the way out to the county because I think we use that highway too much, and it puts a, an unfair burden on people just going doing their day-to-day -day business. Now, with that said, here's the opportunity. We're not going to have a toll road. We're not going to have a toll in the Levin Senatorial District. Or right next to me in the um, – 32nd district, 
that senator may feel the same way. So that's going to be the trouble with toll roads. We're going to have every local person say they don't want it in their area. So my firm position is I don't want it in the area, and if it's cheap enough, I can, I'm okay with it not in my area. Which doesn't seem quite fair, does it? Now, what are, you, what are your thoughts on it? the gas tax raising it since we're one of the lowest in the nation I, I wouldn't be against too much of the gas tax the the opportunity with the gas tax is that we have continually use less gas and if we begin to use that as um, a way to fully fund our transportation it will dwindle over time so I think we should raise it I think we should we'd be fair and we'd still have one of the lowest and users people that actually used it would would buck up a little bit, but it's not the solution. This, the real solution is that we do um, tax credit reform and we do some tax policy reform. With that said, I introduced, I co-sponsored a bill, I don't have the number here, with uh, Senator Bob Dixon, who couldn't be, he, he's so completely different from my political philosophy, but we've come together to put together the, the Taxpayer Advisory Commission. Because what we want to do is put together some experts that will look at our outdated tax code to say, are we really doing what we need to do to get the revenue to pay for the things that are important to us? Because right now we're not. Roads, schools, colleges, services. I mean, we even have uh, an opportunity to bring in $2 billion from the federal government that people don't want to do. We're not, we're not spending your money wisely at this time. So we need, we're going to have that, we're going to pass that bill and hopefully have a, some experts come in and tell us how we need to change that. Thank you. Yes. No, we want to get you for the. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I will well, add one thing at a meeting here the first of the week. I heard an interesting uh, scenario about how they might raise the revenue, and it was to tax bottled water. Interesting. And, and the explanation was pretty convincing that, you know, we all can get water right out of our faucet, mm -hmm. right? And they already do that in many states. And if you think about it, uh, if you look at some of your the things that you buy, it'll say, in California, you'd have to pay a nickel for a, a bottle or whatever. A lot mm -hmm. of that's to keep it out of the ocean. However, you know, uh, when you think about that, I'm thinking, and the money that they said could be raised was in the Millions Interesting. and millions. Since you're having an advisory, I just wanted you to okay. go ahead and investigate that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the other, the other thing that may be beneficial there is that Independence has the best water in there the country. You go. And there you go. We'll start bottling more of it. I bet Sugar Creek has some good water, too. There you go. Sugar Creek, Sugar Creek Bottling Company. Exactly. Independence water comes from Sugar Creek, the mayor tells me. That's good. What other questions? I know you guys have, have thoughts. Go to John here. Hi, Paul. John Hi, John. Shank. Um, I really appreciated all the research that was done on the transportation bill last year of all the bridges and the road uh -huh. system in the whole state needing some attention. Just putting a toll on I-70 right. is very limited. Mm -hmm. I like the fuel tax idea. We do have that in the state. It looks like it should have been workable with last year's bill but they chose a sales tax instead. Right. You don't think fuel tax would work? Um, I, don't th I, don't, I don't think so. I, I just don't think 
but we could get that through the legislature. But it does make sense because you're you're passing the cost on the people using the roads, and you know the the rejection of that amendment to me wasn't at all a rejection that we don't need our transportation fixed. I think that we um, clearly need it. I think the people said this is on the sales tax that's just not fair, and we should look at it a different way. Uh, former Representative John Mayfield is here. He has a question. Also, f- our former city councilman, uh, Roxanne Thorley, is here. So thanks, guys. Good evening, Senator. Um, tomorrow, it's expected that Kansas Governor Sam Brownback is going to call for some revenue enhancements in his next mm. fiscal year budget. And Excellent. I remember that I used to serve with some folks who used to point to Kansas and said that we had to keep up with them or else we were going to fall behind. Mm-hmm. And if you you had mentioned sensible tax policy, and I'm kind of wondering what your thoughts are about a rumor I heard that a state senator from the other side of the state is wanting to double down on the uh, right. tax cut from 2014. If you'd like to talk about any of those topics, I think we would be. Right, and I'll try time together. I'm, I, I want to make sure. I think part of the problem, elect officials don't try to tie these things together. So if I go on too long, I'm just trying to keep them together. But. This is this is interesting because last year we passed Senate Bill 509. Senate Bill 509 was a massive tax cut for folks making over $500,000 a year. It's it was characterized as Kansas light, very similar to what Kansas did. What Kansas is going through now is uh you know they they can't fund their schools. They're going to have to do something. There was even the courts saying they had to do something, and they're in real peril. When we passed this bill last year, the proponents of it said we have to keep up with Kansas. We have to keep up with Kansas. As I served on the Ways and Means Committee, I said, why don't we give it some time? It doesn't sound like a good idea to me, but if we give it some time and it works, I'll be glad to sign on to it. Because really, that's what, we want fair tax policy that works. Now the proponents of that same idea are saying you haven't given it enough time to get rid of it. That was my point originally. There is a bill that um, um, has been introduced to the Senate to make us even more like Kansas, get rid of some of those pass-throughs and really reduce some of those revenues. The other thing to tie in together is – I mentioned that there was a contributor that gave a gubernatorial candidate $1 million. That's the same man who is pushing this massive tax cut. So that's why campaign finance limits are important and ethics reform is important. So um, the General Assembly doesn't think they work for one person. Thank you, John. What are the questions? Hi, Don. Fuel prices are the single most... uh item that has effect on the middle class in fact every class in this state anybody that works for a uh-huh. living nobody was talking about raising fuel taxes when the gas was four dollars a gallon that's right and it's going to be back there i mean this is just a temporary slump and mm-hmm. only because saudi arabia has dropped the price of their oil um to to hinder the keystone pipeline deal so raising the fuel tax is not good. They need to end these tax breaks for these multimillionaires and people making over 500000 Right. 
they need to do their job and fund the infrastructure is what they're supposed to do I agree. in the state, and they ought to be held accountable for that. My, my hope is that uh, me and Senator Dixon's bill, where we put together this commission, will come back and say those things, and as opposed to me shouting about it in my Ways and Means Committee. Well, is there anything that you can introduce? Uh, there was an article in the Star two or three weeks ago about how tax money is disappropriately spent in the state where, where all the money from Jackson County, the money they raise for taxes, winds up in places like Cape Girardeau and the Boot Hill down there. So their people, who are staunch Republicans, wind up with a bigger share of hmm. those tax dollars than we do, and we're the ones paying. You know, if they love the Republican ideal so much down there, they need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and, and, you know, enjoy the rest of their lives. But we should get the, you know, the biggest share of our money that we're contributing. Interesting idea. Uh, there was an idea for that maybe we could do something similar with Medicaid expansion by region. If some people don't want it, they don't have to have it. But I don't know how we would do that, but I'd rather just keep getting the, the best idea, talking about the best idea. Thank you. Who else? Oh, the mayor had Mayor Matt Mallison of Sugar Creek, Missouri. If you had the ability to snap your fingers and have one thing go through this year, what would it be? It would be Medicaid expansion because it, it not only uh, would help so many people in my district have access to health care, okay, but also it would bring in more, more money for our state that we're paying the federal government. So it's my heart and my head says that's, that's the idea that we need to go through. Now, as far as it being part of the um, Affordable Care Act, we know there's some things that need to be changed in that. But as a state, we can do it uh, the way that works for Missourians and other states have. So that, that would be my um, mind. But, but maybe. <laughs> maybe it would be campaign finance limits, too, because it would, I think it would get more people back in the process. So, so 1 and 1A. So what, how could people in this room help with the Medicaid program? I mean, I, I certainly agree with you. Yeah. I mean, that's my profession. We need it. We need more help. So how can people in this room or in your district help with that? That's a really good question. Because when it comes to issues, my first thing is contact everybody and let them know where you are. Uh, not, not necessarily just your senator, but everyone. But everyone knows where everyone is. The, the public has been very loud on this issue. So I, I think we just have to continue to say this uh, message over and over again. You know who's been a real big proponent is the Independence Chamber of Commerce because they've been talking about how it helps businesses right here in our area. So I think we just need to maybe the best thing to do is just continue um, – maybe pushing through some of the partisanship that Obamacare brought and say, this is just good for our state. Let's just move on from there. You know, the flu has been so bad for a lot of the schools. Yes. Uh, to me, it's time for fear tactics because nothing else, common sense is not working with these folks. But the fact that they're shutting down the hospitals right. and the fact that we've had an epidemic of flu already and it could be Ebola, it could be something else, 
I think if they think about all these underprivileged people who do not have health care, if we are making sure that they are getting the proper health care rather than the emergency room when it's already too late and they've exposed everybody on the bus or at school, yeah. maybe the testimonies, that's what we need for the Medicaid expansion. For them to think about their kids, right. they're going to be at the same school, you know, and it's not a matter of income. But I think it's time for us to really start talking seriously about the fear part of it. Right. Yeah. I agree. Yes. Uh, aunt, my Aunt Patty, who's not really my aunt, but she is because well, you're uh, our Mayor Pro Tem's aunt. That's right. And he's not here tonight. No, I think, and he usually, I think he's on the way to Minnesota with these girls to go skiing. So well, me. well, let's make sure we get it recorded that we're... Yeah, we're missing yeah. him, and how dare he leave us? I'll get on to him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking about the, your ten dollars minimum wage. I saw on TV that at seven sixty-five minimum wage mm -hmm. brings in fourteen thousand eight hundred and eighty-eight dollars a year. And how many of those rich people could live on that? I couldn't live on that. Right. I mean, and I'm alone. And these people are trying to raise families. Mm -hmm on that and feed and you know kids and clothe them so you know I, I mean the general principle in our country should be if you work full time you should be able to provide for yourself i mean to me that's just a basic thing yeah. i know there's when you raise the minimum wage you also raise those jobs for teenagers who aren't really supplying for themselves and everything but there's a lot of folks out there who are working minimum wage full time um, and, you know, a lot of single parents are doing that, too. And so it's another person there that fair is fair. If we continued um, like we like it was going in the past, uh, in the six in the 70s and 80s, it kept rising. But we stopped. It would it would be over ten dollars. So um, we need to do that. Hello. Hello. You know, ever since Reagan was president, we've had a push throughout the country, cut taxes, cut taxes, cut taxes. Mm -hmm. You ever think we'll reach a point to where people will decide if we want something, we got to pay for it? I, I hope so. And here's why. I think there's, a, there's this philosophy in Jefferson City that let's just cut a bunch of taxes. We all want our taxes cut. But what happens is, that school boards, local municipalities, colleges, they all have to raise their prices. So really, we're um, costing us a lot more money. And that's what's short-sighted short about it. And so I want to do a better job of trying to tie these all together. You know, the, we're going to have uh, an increase uh, at MU. Why? Because we are um, not providing the same amount of level that we used to for our public universities. In fact, for our public schools, we are 49th in the nation on how much the state contributes to local school districts. So every time we think we're cutting things in Jefferson City and we think we're helping folks, the school board has to say, you know, we need a little bit more money and we're all paying a little bit more. And we're paying more because we're, we're willing to do it. We care about having good education in our schools and and uh, good infrastructure in our cities, but we shouldn't we shouldn't have the state abdicate its responsibility of it just for a political talking point. 
Doesn't tax increment financing cost a lot of that too? School boards and stuff like that. I think I think there's some of that tax increment financing that were was harmful to the schools, but I think overall, the fact that in the last 20 years we've cut by 1.1 billion and we haven't grown enough is is enough to say you know maybe this isn't the right tax policy we should be following. I see you there, Don. But anyone else? Okay. Uh, when you talk about Ronald Reagan and tax cuts, you need to remind your people in Jeff City that he had the largest tax increases on the middle class Americans of any president throughout history. The only people he really cut taxes for was the wealthy. And there is something fundamentally wrong with the tax system when the majority of the people that's sitting in this room here have a higher tax rate than Mitt Romney who's a multi-billionaire. Mm -hmm. Now, there is something wrong with that. Mm -hmm. That's what needs to be fixed. That's right. Because I agree. we're the people that needs the help. And do you know why that happens, at least um, in Missouri? Because we have unlimited campaign finance limits. Okay. Yeah. You guys got my point, right? I've tied those together enough? Go back here. Well, I was just going to say, you mentioned agriculture a couple of times, yes. and I was wondering with the right to farm that passed this last year, well, first of all, do you know what that means? Because it's, it was so ambiguous that it, it seems like there's uncertainty as, as to what the law actually means, and then also do you anticipate any um, legislation this next session uh, attempting to um, address that? Well, we, I'll refresh. She, she asked about the right to farm amendment that was passed barely passed and I, I have been against that measure in fact I changed the wording on it because I wanted to make sure that I didn't want to make sure that they could still do puppy mills okay so so we changed that so now we have in our constitution by a simple majority of barely a majority is that we have a right to farm well, my concern with that is that it would allow big farm corporations to do whatever they want and say they have a constitutional right. Um, there are some challenges I still in the court for that, um, but we don't have any legislation to try to change that. You know, agriculture is so important to the state of Missouri. It is the number one industry that we have. Um, it, is, it is rooted in the things that we do that I think sometimes we, we go a little bit overboard on, on that one industry. And... Um, Many of us care about keeping a strong industry, helping family farmers, but this right to farm only allows Monsanto and some of these other um, groups to really do whatever they want. And um, I think we'll see a lot of court cases through it. John. Uh, you mentioned somebody donating a lot of money to the political campaigns here in the state. Uh, uh -huh. He also contributes quite a bit against public education. Um, yeah. His Amendment 3 did not pass mm -hmm. last year. I think there will probably be something in 2015 and something in 2016. Um, are, are you access to any of those committee discussions? About him trying to hurt public education yes. again? Yes, in, in our state. Uh, I, there's been lots of attempts, and the good news is the, I think the people in Missouri see through it, and they saw through Amendment 3 to, to 
say that we want to improve our education system is fair to say that the reason our education system isn't better is because the teacher's fault is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And um, there, there's been measures introduced that says that we should begin to grade teachers and grade buildings um, to really try to identify. I, to me, they just want to pick on people. I threw out an idea that we should grade the legislature, but that didn't seem to go very well. Because our part is to make sure you have the resources to do is, you know, make sure Patrick back there has, his, has the resources to do his job here in this building. So um, we got to do our part, and we're not doing our part. Well, there is a. <laughs> That's okay, Mr. Principal. Don't, you don't need to give me a grade. There is a state formula to. to um, finance education yes it's underfunded it is underfunded the state foundation formula is underfunded by 600 million dollars and that adds so much stress to our local districts I'm looking at our school board member right you probably have conversations about that uh, all the time every month. that's right every month. that's right we, we have been uh, really blessed in this community to have I mean our community cares about public education You've seen um, local taxes go to the to the area, and we we support them because we trust our our our, uh, our local folks to get it done. But the state has to start doing a better job to help out. As you know, Paul, the real estate industry has been hurting big time in the last few years. Mm -hmm. MHDC or the Missouri Housing Development Corporation has always done an excellent job of helping first-time home buyers in the state of Missouri. Is there any plans to expand that program and try to help get some more jobs? Because you know real estate does provide yeah. a lot of jobs. Do you, you know of anything going on in Jeff City? You know, I, I haven't heard that idea. That may be uh, something to look at because when we can create those jobs and build those houses, that is not just uh, a real estate salesperson. That's a... a a, uh, someone laying the bricks, someone putting sheetrock up, it really does build our economy. And then what you do, I know you, I see you're with Reese Nichols, but you're, you're a small business person and you build that out too. And that's, that's the type of jobs that we need to focus on. So I'll look into that because the Missouri Housing Development Commission also works with a lot of big tax credits as well. But th that's a good program that maybe that's a better way to focus where we need to go. But home ownership is extremely important to this country absolutely and we must promote it as uh -huh. much as possible that's right that's how we build our community that's right because you you build houses you create those jobs but when you own a house you're part of the community too you go vote you you go to the pta meetings you do all those things when you when you own a home and we we've seen in our area where we have absentee uh landlords or people that own, don't own it who don't want to contribute to the community. So that idea of ownership is really important. Yes. Hello. Hi. Hi. Half the states now have uh, medical cannabis laws, and I was wondering what you thought of this. And yeah. I, there's some sick people out there. Right. And I know the agriculture and then also – uh, Medicaid, mm -hmm. you know, it's a cheap medicine. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll tell you my thoughts on it as far as a medical marijuana. I'm supportive of it. And the reason I'm supportive of it is because I bet you everybody in this room 
know someone who suffered with cancer or another illness who could get a little bit of relief. And the truth of the matter is um, we don't have a prohibition on many things that are not good for us. And uh, those of those of us who, who would encourage our family and the young people that you shouldn't smoke marijuana, it's not good for you, um, we can say the same thing about alcohol and tobacco that are legal. And somewhere, somewhere along the way, if we can provide relief and a little bit of freedom for free people to do as they see fit, I think it's okay for us to do that. Um, there was a measure that we passed last year that allowed us to use hemp oil for um, children that are suffering from epilepsy. Um, we had par- very powerful statements on the Senate floor, and to me, I feel like we're going to get there. I think the idea that if we can add some relief for some people suffering, for, especially for medical marijuana, we should do that. Um, the question is, is the legislature, how conservative is still the legislature and how fast we can go with it? So thanks for bringing that up. And honestly, that that is an issue that I have learned more about and I've grown because um, the destructiveness of, of any type of addiction is not good. And, and I know my friends will say that um, marijuana isn't as addictive as everything, but I think it's probably better if you don't, if you're not using it. So, but with that said, I still think that we should allow people the freedom for medical marijuana. I, what he's saying is that it will be, it'll be legalized eventually. I think so too, and I think we should just do it in the right way. I mean, you're going to see more and more states like Colorado, uh, Oregon, Washington. Uh, so it's, an, yeah. it's inevitable. You might as well just get on board. Well, I could talk about Medicaid expansion and some other things I, I, you know, that I think we need to get on board with, yeah, too. Maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe. Yeah. Question here. Um, I was just at a PTA meeting, speaking of which. Uh-huh. Um, and this past spring, the Missouri State PTA uh, created a resolution to present to the legislature about the e-cigarettes. And uh, at that time, the, as far as I'm aware, they were not illegal to young people um, until later on in the spring or in, into the summer session. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like you to detail exactly what s- the status is as far as the ones that include nicotine, the ones that do not include nicotine, the flavors, the marketing to young people, and things of that nature, that um, basically the PTA was saying they're making these things gummy bear flavored, and it's obvious that the target audience has been young people, uh, and what the status is, is what I'm making. So you're asking about e-cigarettes, and this is, uh, again, if I'm too long-winded, I'm sorry, but I think it's interesting what we did last year with this, because it tells you a little bit about the General Assembly. We passed a bill last year that said that you have to be over 18 to have any of those type of products. General rule. But also in there was a provision that said that we can never tax them again. And that was the purpose, the real purpose of the bill. The real purpose was to hide and say that wasn't tobacco, to hide them from the tobacco tax, even though if the if the um, um, FDA ends up calling it tobacco, we could, still couldn't tax it 
if this bill would have passed. The governor vetoed that. It, luckily, we didn't override that. So I'm perfectly supportive of the idea that you have to be 18 to have those products, but I'm not okay with saying that we're going to give them an, an open book that we're never going to uh, tax those products if FDA comes back and says they're tobacco. Some say they're not, some say they are, but I just think we should deal with one thing at a time. What else? Yes, sir. We have a, uh, a local business that does uh, renewable energies, okay. energy conservation. Good. And, um, the state of Missouri is in the top, ranked top 10 um, from the results of Proposition C, the local utility rebates, so on and so mm -hmm. forth. And then here locally, the Independence uh, City Council has uh, agreed to a resolution to yes. look at conservation and renewables as well as Sugar Creek. Uh -huh. And uh, I was just wondering if you saw any more opportunities for the state of Missouri and locally to uh, grow that. I, I think I think there is a, I think maybe similar to the other issues, we're going to see that happen more and more. I was really happy that the city did that resolution. Um, it's uh, with a municipal utility that's single. It's a little more, it's even more difficult than some of these bigger power companies to pull that off. And and I compliment the city council for moving that direction and sugar creek for doing the same thing if you moved in did you do something similar or uh, 2011 actually we've had a uh, system ready to go somebody, somebody <laughs> again again independence needs to catch up with sugar creek right <laughs> right so the water. yeah so i i'm all for those those type of things i know we've had um some tax credits for solar panels and some of those other things and i think those are um ideas that we need to continue to pursue i'm more i'm kind of a uh, all of it type you know um i think there's some folks who would like us to completely get rid of coal but i think we sit on too much coal but with that said we need to um make sure that we're doing things um in a more renewable more um eco-friendly way so i appreciate and it's good for business too right i mean you have you know yeah Asking the builders to have ratings done on the, uh -huh. the buildings, so they're actually they're they're grading them from an energy standpoint. Yeah. So you know the real deal, Sun Tzu, is to fight that battle before you get there. So right. If we could do that in the construction process, you know, to kind of tie on to what you were talking about. If we can build more efficient buildings, then we will reduce our overall load, which will Good. reduce our load on coal. So. Okay, I want to make sure I get your name and context, so when I have questions about this issue, Definitely. you you can help me with it. Anything else? Did everyone like your dinner? Okay. Yes, I did. Well, thank you for coming. I really appreciate the opportunity to to uh, hear your feedback. I hope this wasn't too much of a of a uh, me reading to you too much. But as we get going in the general assembly, we'll identify some of those important bills, and um, we'll um, I'll need the feedback. I mean, like I I'm glad I have a resource here with this now. Uh, those legislators who don't reach out, I don't know how they do it. You have to reach out. You have to ask what's going on to, to try to do your best down there. So we've recorded this. This will be on a podcast. That's with us, the young people are in the podcasts. We, I'm used to my transistor radio, but we do a podcast where we talk about the issues to try to reach out. And we're, we're going to have a little uh, uh, recording, video recording of this on YouTube so other constituents can see and we can try to reach out to more folks. So I really appreciate you being here. We're going to do another one 
February, not exactly the date yet, but uh, you're welcome to come back, and I really do appreciate your input. Thank you very much. <laughs>